Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Steeler Fury. You are listening to the Pittsburgh Steelers show on the SteelerFury.com podcast. I'm your host, Bradshaw to Ben, a.k.a. Accidental Zen on Twitter, also known as Bull Massasack in real life, especially when he's poo-pooing the Fairweather Pittsburgh Steelers fans after an unfortunate loss to their new rivals, the Buffalo Bills. We're sort of like the mirror image of the Steelers. With me to talk about it, as always, uh, are the two best cohorts going in Steeler podcastdom. Uh, first of all, from Pittsburgh's Suburban Zone 22, his name is Steel Perch. He's on the line with us. How are you, sir? Back up on the scene. I rep my team like you know what I mean. They watch me like I'm the screen. I'm the realest we've ever seen. The interview is here. I'm talking about the Pope. They make them getting bread, and I burn it like some toast. Oh, 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 oh. It's Juice Man, in case you didn't know, Le'Veon Bell rap song. Go ahead and download that on iTunes. <laughs> Why? Why download it? We have your version. <laughs> My version's, you know, I'm a, at least as good of a mumble rapper as Le'Veon Bell. So I had to throw that in. I've been, I've been holding that for a year. <laughs> You've been waiting for this moment all your life. Uh, <laughs> also with us, uh, to have to follow that act uh, from somewhere in the South, his name is FC. He's with us. How are you, sir? I have absolutely zero flow. But I'm doing well. Did <laughs> you know the name of Antonio Brown's rap album? Oh I don't know God. if it was a joke or if it was real. Like, I, I, I seen it on the old interwebs, and I was like, if that's really the name of his rap album, he um, is really a fucking idiot. So nobody knows what I'm talking about? No. Joke. Yeah. The... No more white women. It's <laughs> about that. I'll just come out and say it. So he even came out with a uh, like an album cover, No White Women 2020. Yep. Or actually, it's No White Woman. Uh, he, I think he spelled it wrong, but he's well. He's yeah. still, to be fair, he's still he's still working on it, and the title is subject to change. He said, ah. <laughs> "Yeah, FC, you know, you you might have no flow, but Perch doesn't have any flow. Uh, Bell doesn't have any flow as a rapper, and I doubt that Antonio Brown has any either. But it doesn't seem to be stopping anybody. Maybe we all need to do our own rap album. 
Right. So you just have to mumble now. All you got to do is mumble, right? That's that's the new uh, the new thing. Right. Okay. <laughs> Let's not make the Steel and Fury podcast uh, rap album anytime soon. However, we could talk about some football. Let's start with, it wasn't really a debacle, but with a, uh, a situation where the young quarterback did not really, he just wasn't able to make that one play at the end of the game to, to put the Steelers over the hump. Perch, what, what was your uh, what was your take on a, did you dive off of the duck bandwagon that you were never on? Well, you got the second half of it right. I was never on. I mean, listen, it's a nice story. He's done a nice enough job. There's 32 teams in the league, and the Steelers quarterback this year has been somewhere around 31 or 32. I mean, it is it is what it is. They've scored one offensive touchdown in, I think, eight straight games. You can't keep going that way. When you play a, a good defense like the Bills, you have to either be completely perfect in the turnover aspect of the game and not turn it over and, and hope to just get enough points and your defense do a good enough job that you can win 13 to 10. Or if you turn the quarterback loose, there's a good chance that something bad's going to happen and something bad happens four times, five times. <laughs> yeah. Although to be fair, I, I'm not really uh, judging his, if I'm saying his performance is poor, it's not really about the four picks um, because the last two, I think, were it's legitimate attempts. It's like he's trying to make the play, and I didn't think they were the best choices necessarily on those plays. But they're better choices than than not, you know, going to the end of the game and not attempting to make a play that you think you might be able to make. I mean, I don't know. I have to say, am I crazy for thinking that? I just feel like it's the fact that he didn't quit and he kind of went down swinging. I'd rather have that result than him throwing it away on fourth down, like a lot of young quarterbacks do when they get when they get frazzled. Oh, I agree. Um, I don't think uh, – I don't want to really get to blasting coaching this early, but um, I think that a big part of the problem was uh, game planning and putting the offense in positions to win, to succeed, is one of the biggest aspects of coaching, and I don't believe that was done very well by Tomlin Fitchner. Uh, especially with the offense. Um, Duck Hodges is limited. I mean, we, we God love him. He has heart. He has moxie. He just doesn't necessarily have the arm strength to make some of the throws that the Steelers want to do. And I think that moxie and guts, I'm not saying he has a noodle arm by any stretch, but he doesn't have the arm to make a lot of the throws that elite quarterbacks, or i.e. Ben Roethlisberger can make. And um, to expect him to be able to do some of those things um, is just ludicrous, and they did. And um, I came away mostly shit. I was far more disappointed in the game playing on both sides of the ball than with the performance of the players. Yeah, I got you. I mean, I, I think the adjustments – that Buffalo made specifically for what the Steelers were doing on offense and what the Steelers were doing on defense uh, turned the tide. And, but, you know, we'll get, we'll get around to talking about the Steelers' defense in a second, but if you're going to basically say, our, our, we think our pass defense is pretty good and we are going to try to get you in a situation where your quarterback has to beat us and your quarterback is a rookie, you know, and he's, and he's not just a rookie, but he's a, he's a rookie that, you know, hasn't had – as extensive a background as some some rookies do, he's not a you know first round pick, or whatever. 
<clears throat> so I don't know, Perch, it seems like the fan base turned awfully quickly on a guy that, you know, was getting maybe too much credit before and still has done a pretty admirable job as a backup. I mean, you know, the guy's basically helped win four games uh, as a backup, which I think if you judge backups on being able to step in when the guy is out and not lose you games, he's done it most of the time. And what do we think going forward? Listen, like I said before, you, you've got really the worst collection of quarterbacks that are in the playoff race. One of the worst, you know, in the league. And a really good team around it. I mean, a great defense and the, a good offensive line. And, you know, the weapons on offense are, are somewhat limited. But it, what are you going to do? I mean, it, it, it's basically what we thought. It's a miracle they're in the position they're in since Ben went down. You, lo- you can't lose Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Martavis Bryant, Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, and Vance McDonald, you know, essentially over the course of two years and expect to be a really good offense. It's it just, it, it's not going to happen. Even if Ben played the whole year, I think the offense would be middle of the pack uh, and, and doing enough to win, you know, kind of like they did 2004, 2005. They put up just enough points to, to allow that defense to kind of carry the load. And, and when they needed a big play on third down or in the red zone or in the fourth quarter, Ben always made it. You're dealing with guys that are, you know, barely replacement level. I mean, the whole league had a chance to sign Duck Hodges week one, and he wasn't even on, you know, a practice squad anywhere. We brought him back in. So, what can you really do with the ingredients you have? It's, it's really hope that defense carries you, and the offense doesn't make mistakes. And that's how they're coaching and game planning. And it's what we're stuck with. You know, we got two more weeks, and maybe a playoff game after that. Well, uh, FC to that end, if if it's more about the pieces that the Steelers are working with or not working with, you know, what did you, how did you think they, what would you prefer they do in terms of an offensive plan to specifically attack Buffalo? Uh, well, um, I would have uh, started off with uh, the run game looked sufficient enough early where um, I would have definitely attempted uh, to uh, play action pass uh, a little bit more. Um, I would have vertically attacked the safeties. Um, Micah Hyde was cheating up, cheating up, cheating up. Um, Buffalo pretty much gave away blitz packages early. Um, they showed cover one, and they didn't roll out of it too often to cover two or cover three. So if I, I would have let Doc know, hey, if you see the single high safety, um, throw the ball away from White, <laughs> the various White, you know, um, attack the other corner. Um, I would have probably attempted to get Connor a few more touches, and I definitely would have attempted to get White a few more touches. Um, I probably would not have activated uh, 12 for the Edmonds brother that we did because, well, um, I don't give a fuck about happy stories for the NFL. I don't give a fuck about the Edmonds family parents and them being able to... I, I just... I, I hate pageantry. I hate pregame shows. I hate all of it. Um, I hate, you know, the side story. Uh, I know that has nothing to do with nothing, but hey, it's just in know, time for Christmas, so this, this is all right. Go ahead. Whatever you like, but you know, we're not talking like did, did Trey Emmons even play? Did he even contribute? Did he was he even on special teams? Where he just sit there and you know scratch his nuts all game? Um, I actually have a bigger problem with what the Steelers did on the on the defensive side of the ball, which we'll get to. But 
you know, offensively, well, we are limited. And, and Perch hits the nail on the head, you know, excellent. You know, whenever you just go through it, the amount of talent that is off, that's missing from the Steelers over the last 25 games. Probably the biggest thing that I would have done is I would have told Doc, um, we got to vary the snap count. And uh, if I was Mike Tomlin, I would told Randy Fitchner, if you don't have the call in by 18 seconds on uh, the play clock, I'm going to punch you in the fucking face every single time on national TV, or I'm going to come in, I'm going to scream at you, and I'm going to humiliate you to the point that your wife, kids, and dog don't want you to come home. <laughs> FC, you know, if there is a job opening for head coaches, Pittsburgh Steelers, I am nominating you. Just because, no, <laughs> not because I'm, I'm not sure you'd be good, have, but I think you'd be entertaining. I would have half to roster cut and re-sign daily. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm the best fit for the job, but I think that Tomlin needs to hold some players accountable. Um, let me put it this way. Marquise Pouncey wouldn't have been making the Pro Bowl if I was the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers because I would have humiliated him probably four or five times about the dribbling the snaps back to the quarterback. I would Man, humiliate him about his fear of Jordan Phillips over him on the nose. Yeah. Well, if I was going to say the last two years, you can point to at least – Three that I can think of off the top of my head plays where a bad, bad snap from Pouncey contributed to, uh, you know, a, a huge turnover or a bad play that that uh, was game changing. So that's that's not something that should be an issue for for a guy like Marquise Pouncey. Um, Hers, just just the last word here. You know, people were talking about how out of balance um, the Steelers were in this game offensively with not running enough, but felt like they were it, their balance was okay, and in fact. You know, they scored on a drive where they, they threw it a little bit more. But I just want to attack for one second this concept that you protect a young quarterback by running the football. My problem with that is it requires consistency. You have to, you know, if, you, if your whole offense were exactly intact like it was when you were the top offense and all you're missing is the quarterback, well, then sure, you can, you know, you can run it most of the time, mix in a few passes, but you know your, your offensive line, your offense is going to win a lot and your quarterback's going to be in good positions. But the problem I have with the Steelers doing that is that they can run the ball between the 20s, but trying to get in a position to score points, they're not consistent enough to do that. So and which side of that do you fall on? Should they have run it more uh, to protect their quarterback, or does that concept not fit this team? Yeah, I mean, to your point, though, if you really want to protect one of these young quarterbacks, you throw when they expect run, and you run when they expect throw. If you you know the whole run, run, pass, punt thing is just going to put the guy in a bad situation where you predictably run into the line, you know, go power and run into a stack box for two yards, and then you're facing you know third and eight that against a good pass rush with a quarterback who really can't read the blitzes as well. Is I mean, it's such a massive difference from what Ben could read in the defense from year one to year eighteen. And you're taking a guy who didn't even have the college experience that he did and, you know, kind of throwing him in and he's never really even been trained as a starter. And all of a sudden he's in there and he, he, you know, the offensive line's going to look bad because he's not picking up the blitzes and things like that. It, it really hurts the team. But, you know, if you cut, I'm all for play action on first throw, take a shot mid range or, or deep on first down and get that defense thinking a little bit. If you come back in second and ten, and then draw, you know, run a draw play and pick up five or six yards, now you're back on schedule for third, third and four, third and five, third and six. So yeah, I mean, I, I agree to your point. You, you do have to mix in the pass and the throw. You got to do it thoughtfully, though, where you're protecting the quarterback, where you're trying to catch the other team off guard or back them off a little bit, where they can't just 
if us knuckleheads are sitting at home on the, on the couch watching the game and we know that we're going to run on this down and distance, the other team does too. And it's just, it sets the quarterback up for failure. Yeah. And I mean, FC, uh, I think purchase on it. It's like you focus on getting, if you want third and shorts or you want to convert first downs, you focus on getting good yardage on first down. Um, Cause if you get, if you don't get good yardage on first down, it puts everything behind. I think you mentioned before that that arm and doesn't have the arm strength, arm talent to make some of the throws that that uh, guys like Ben Roethlisberger can make. But one thing I I did appreciate is the throw. That he, you know, the the first interception was like he he either couldn't step into the ball the way he wanted to, or he uh, you know it's it sailed a little bit on him. It looked like it was either a he, throw. he aimed it. He didn't finish his throw. Yeah, he, it was like he, he short armed it. Right. Um, so that one, you know, but it was that function is basically like a punt. It didn't. Seem to affect the game that much, but the the out pattern um, that that White picked off. The thing about that throw is, I think the main problem with that throw is it just was late. Just he just didn't trust his his eye to know that that throw has got to come. You know when it's, when the throw has to come out, and he wasn't ready to throw it. What I liked, though, I mean that's a that's a huge mistake in a game like that. But what right. I liked, what I liked is that later in the game, you know, in the when the in crunch time, threw the same ball and threw it perfectly well, like from the far hash an out pattern to Deontay Johnson threw it early and on target. And it wasn't, it, that was a completely uncontested and, and beautiful throw. So he's, I guess what I'm going to say is he has enough arm to do that, but more importantly, he has the, the guts to throw that ball again, knowing he's throwing against that same corner or not knowing or whatever, still making that throw bravely, even though he had gotten picked on it before. I mean, you got to read something positive in that. Do you not? Oh, I do. I, I think I have a perfect comparison for Doc Hodges. I think you're going to, absolutely hate it, B2B, but I'll make it if you would like. Chuck Hodges reminds me a ton, a ton of Mike Tomczak. And that is not a negative thing. It absolutely is not. Mike Tomczak threw a beautiful deep ball. Mike Tomczak had moxie and balls and guts. He pl- but he had some physical limitations with arm strength. The, the, the interception that the various white got that was a little bit late. Out of that defensive set, they they were set man covered two. There's probably three quarterbacks active right now in the NFL that I think could have made that throw. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not certain of it, but I'm going to guess maybe on a good day, just with the amount of accuracy he has, Deshaun Watson, who has a livelier arm than you think. Sure. Otherwise, I don't think there's quarterbacks with enough arm strength and especially accuracy to be able to throw that ball into that window. The one thing I'll say is Doc Hodges has testicles the size of watermelons to even attempt to make that throw. And it yeah. was a little bit late. Yeah, yeah. But that's, a, I mean, you know, to me, that, like I said, I'd rather have it all day than somebody who's meek but has more talent. You know, because it's just, I don't right. think you can work with that Derek, so much. Derek Carter would throw the ball out of bounds. Yeah. Derek Carter would throw the ball out of bounds on the last play of the game. I, yeah. I'd much rather go down fighting. Yeah, I think that I like your Tom Zach comparison, but I would say the, the thing that Hodges has that Tom Zach didn't is he had the ability to run the football. And I think that's, he's kind of shied away from that the last couple of weeks. Like he's getting in that Mason Rudolph bubble of feeling more heat than he actually has and not necessarily taking advantage of what the defense gives him in terms of being able to run the ball that um, painfully obvious on that uh, second and 18, the play at the end of the game, when he, he made space to his left to make the throw 
But the moment he breaks contain there, there's there's nobody there for like 15 or 20 yards. Probably had a chance to run for the first down or at least close to it. So he had a chance to probably, right. you know, enough yardage to either make the next play uh, easier or maybe even get the first down there. He was in such a position. So I don't know. These are kind of things that when, you know, when you're a rookie, what you worry about with your rookie getting David Card is that you worry about him starting off with a lot of confidence. But then as time goes on, whittling it down to the point where, he doesn't look like the same quarterback he did when he first started playing loose and free. So anyway, enough on Doc Hodges for now, I think. Perch, let's talk a little bit about the Steelers' defense. I think the Steelers' defense played pretty well. Um, it's like you, if you look at the stat sheet, it doesn't look like they really got killed or anything like that. And they kept their team in the game all the way to the end. Um, but there were a couple of giant flaws in that Mona Lisa uh, that made the difference in the game. Let's talk particularly about the game-winning touchdown to Tyler Croft. Um, now I have, I've looked at this a lot. I had a very long conversation. I don't know if you guys, there's a follow on, uh, on uh, Twitter. The guy's name is cover one. His handle is cover one covers the Buffalo bills. I've been following him for, for a while now. I think he's actually one of the better guys at breaking down uh, film, especially defenses. And uh, we went round and round on this play this week. I'm pretty sure at least the way we played it, Mark Barron has to carry that guy. If he doesn't have to carry him the entire play, he at least has to carry him long enough to know that the safety has him. And instead, he carried him for like two or three steps, and then just like gave up and broke off down to the, uh, you know, to the running back who was, you know, not really going to get a big gain on the play, even if he was open. Perch, I'm wondering how you saw the breakdown in coverage there. I know that people are going to want to blame Terrell Edmonds, but I'm not sure that was the case. Well, pretty much every blown coverage this season has come down to one of two guys, and I think you just you named them both. Uh, I, I think it was somewhere in between there where he was supposed to carry it uh, a little bit longer. Um, talking about Barron, Barron should have carried that. But Edmonds didn't move. There was one receiver on his entire half of the field, the whole right side of the field. There's one guy, and he's playing the deep coverage. He didn't move. When he saw that guy cutting and cross in front of his face, he didn't do anything. So, it, you know, like most things in life, there's probably multiple fingers to point and multiple people to blame. but. Edmonds definitely gets at least a share of it. Uh, I think Barron, like I said, that that responsibility. Who was the other guy? The Joe Hayden was over there too. That really, yeah. you know, kind of squatted down on that. So Hayden squatted down. Barron let him go, uh, and then Edmonds didn't do anything. So to me, the easiest guy to blame on that is Edmonds because he had one responsibility, one side of the field, and he didn't yeah. do. He didn't move. Yeah, but see, so, I, don't think, I, mean, I don't think it's a zone coverage though, Perch. That's the problem. It's banjo. You know, even if even if it started off in zone or started up as his own look, um, for instance, the way the way we play banjo or that, you know, when you're when you're cover two on the weak side like that, where you have only a couple receivers, the way we played it was if that outside receiver number one, if he comes inside the leverage, then the the linebacker has the flats and the, whatever receiver goes to his outside in man to man coverage. So it, they, they, that's the way it looked like it was executed. In fact, Hayden gave Barron a signal before the snap that made Barron change his leverage slightly onto the tight end. And I think they, even before the snap started, Hayden had to read that they were going to be switching to man there. Hayden came across short with the guy, and Barron comes to the tight end and carries him the way that he's supposed to, at least at the beginning. If that was the switch in coverage, what Edmonds actually has is a robber role, meaning he has a crosser from the backside. So he's, he's, if the tight end comes up the seam or the crosser comes from the backside, that's his first two reads. So I, you know, 
I know FC is going to say he should have read it faster and known that there wasn't a crosser and the tight end wasn't coming there. But the point is, the hesitation is because he's got to wait to see if he got backside there. Because otherwise, there's nobody covering a crosser coming coming from the backside. So anyway, FC, FC um, you be the you you. I'll give you the final word on this, and we'll move on. Gary, be shocked. I don't think Terrell Edmonds played that bad. Um, I think Mark Barron got to carry it, and he has to chuck Croft. He got to knock him a little bit more off his route. Yep. I think that Joe Hayden squatted. I think that Joe Hayden needs he couldn't squat there. I think that he needs to uh, get a little bit more. I don't want to use the word horizontal. I think that he needs to be playing pretty much to the goal line, dropping off and playing forward, meaning drop probably four to five yards, have his heels on the goal line, and then play play everything in front of him. Um, I agree with you. I think that Edmonds um, has to play tight end, crosser, and then corner. Um, I think he would have the ability to do that um, in a more conducive manner if Mark Barron gets a better chuck or any chuck whatsoever on Tyler Croft. He basically carries him and lets him have a free release, lets a player cross his face. Yep. And in times of doubt and defense, don't ever let a player cross your face at all, especially if you're inside the chuck zone. If he, or at least, if he or at least reroute him. I mean, if, at least if you get in his way, even if even if mm-hmm. you don't touch him, if he's got to move around you, it buys that extra second. How about this? I think that the Steelers were so scared of Josh Allen running the football. Yes, sir. That they basically gave the game away. And this is the area of the defense where I've been waiting to pounce all day. So I don't have much of a problem with the way that Emmons played that. I think that's more Mark Barron and Joe Hayden, and I think it's definitely more Mark Barron than Joe Hayden. I think that that could have easily been covered, and I think it was a mental breakdown. Yeah, but um, but Perch, to that to the end of what FC just said, I wholeheartedly agree that the Steelers seemed absolutely petrified of letting Josh Allen run. And to that end, it's like it, it affects the way that their pass rushers pass rush, and it, play, it affects the way the defenses they call behind it with zone rather than man coverage. Um, I, I just think that was the polar opposite of what the Ravens did that was so successful the week before. How did you see it? Yeah, I mean, the Steelers have been burned a bit this year by scrambling quarterbacks, though, you know, giving up big chunks of yardage. So I think they were going to be cognizant of that, and they just they trust their corners so much that they think that they can cover, you know, one-on-one and just uh, some basic man coverage schemes behind it. Uh, it kind of stopped the run and, uh, you know, try to limit that quarterback's ability to run. So he didn't hurt that. I mean, you held him to 17 points, and, and most of those touchdowns came on short drives, right? The the first one was like a 40-yard drive. The second one was pretty short. Yeah. So I, I th- I, you know, I, I have a real hard time blaming the defense for anything that when the offense gave up four interceptions and a, a fumble in the red zone. If you hold the Bills, you know, if the offense didn't turn the ball over, the defense probably holds the Bills to 10 or 13 points, which in the NFL in 2019 is an absolute A-plus win. <laughs> you hold anybody under 17, you did a hell of a job. It's just the offense is what it is, and the defense has to be perfect for them to win games. Yeah, that's true. That they have to, you know, I'm sure they also feel like they have to be perfect, but... Um... FC, you're going to disagree a little bit, I think, on the... I don't, the- I, I don't disagree. I agree in principle with what Perch just said. There's eight to ten plays in that game 
that really stand out to me. Out of those eight to ten plays, I'd say six or seven of them, the Buffalo Bills went three by one, trips, one wide receiver, and they absolutely eliminated the Steelers' pass rush by moving T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree, whichever way the three was, outside, over uh, um, the inside receiver. And uh, I believe that every big play that the Buffalo Bills made in that game came out of three-by-one formation. And the funny thing is, is if you go back the last three years, Brian Dobble, who was the offense coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens, before he was with the Buffalo Bills, absolutely dominated Heath Butler and Dick LeBeau with a three-by-one look. So coming into this week, you would think that the Steelers would be absolutely prepared for the three-by-one look. And they were not. And that, my friends, would cause Keith Butler to be looking for a job, despite having this fantastic defense. If you can do one thing to me constantly, time after time, and break it off in my ass, it's either players are not listening or the coaching schemes are bad. And Keith Butler should be humiliated for that game. Jordan Berry, horrible punt, led to the, you know, to the first touchdown. That's not really on Butler. But them being able to run a single formation to completely change your defense is a big, big problem. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that at all. I mean, I just feel like you – it's that – they. Defense, you said Perch has to be perfect, but it's it's more like situational. It's kind of like quarterback play. You, you can you can be mediocre for uh, you know most of the game, but if there's five or six plays in the game that are really you know turn the chains at a crucial time, get you points, uh, you know convert you know a touchdown in the red zone, um, then people look at that as a fantastic game. Uh, and I think the same is true of the defense. Like you you keep that touchdown from being scored and turn it into a field goal. You know, you, you keep a couple of those third down longs from being converted, then it's a, it changes the whole tenor of the game. So I'm sure that they, when they looked at the film, that's the way the defense saw it. You know, they're, I don't think they're at this stage where they're thinking we're really disappointed in the offense. I think they're thinking to themselves, we have to be better because that's all there is on offense, you know, or that we're, we're playing a rookie or in backups and, you know, stuff as they are. Um, one last coaching comment, Perch, I'll throw to you, and that is fourth and seven, key play of the game. No Deontay Johnson on the field. And then a timeout, and still no Deontay Johnson on the field. No change in formation coming off the timeout. I've been pretty fair. Like I, I get the, I give the uh, offensive coordinator credit for last year and for what he did in the red zone and designing plays there and so on and so forth. But I mean, I feel like that's a fireable offense. I don't understand that. You got any clue? No, honestly, I didn't even know that he wasn't on the field until you just said that. Um, that's pretty ridiculous because, you know, he's the only guy in the team that really gets a lot of separation. And it's not like it's a, a fourth and 20 where you got to run, you know, everybody nine routes and just chuck it deep. He's somebody who can, you know, even throw it short and let him make somebody miss and, and pick up, pick it up with his legs. So I don't know, unless he was injured or uh, it doesn't make any sense at all. That's you, you got to have your best players on the field in that situation. Yeah, especially when you don't have you Juju, Juju Smith Schuster, and you don't you know you don't have like a lot of go to guys to go to, you know. Uh, anyway, all right, uh, we'll see if Mike Tomsack uh, can fare a little bit better this week. Uh, FC, my my issue with this is with this week's game against the New York Jets is I this feels like a mirror. I mean, I'm not a mirror. This feels like a deja vu. You know, this is like the same sort of thing. Two two teams with pretty good defenses. 
uh, and poor offenses. I mean, if you, if, you, if it weren't for the Le'Veon Bell factor being added in, um, it would feel kind of like the same game to me. Uh, tell me how it's different. I don't think that the Jets have a terrible offense, to be honest with you. Um, Darnold is hit or miss. If uh, He's had some really good games this year. Um, Richie Anderson is a very talented receiver. Jameson Crowder is a very talented slot receiver. Um, the Jets' problem is their offensive line stacks. Now, the question is, is uh, and I'm very, very concerned about this, is the Jets are creative offensively. And if you don't think the Steelers are going to see some three-by-ones, you, you know, look this week, I understand that Darnold's not near the running threat that Josh Allen is. But I honestly believe that the Jets have a lot better offensive weapons overall than the Bills do. Um, I, you can call John Brown and, and Anderson a wash. From there, I think that the Bills, you know, I think Le'Veon Bell is more talented than both Singletary and Frank Gore. The, the tight end position overall, I think the Jets, I know that's your guy in New York. Um, I think the Jets are slightly better. I think the Bills' offensive line is a little bit better. Hopefully, the, the only thing that I really, really hope and pray for is the Steelers have found a way to handle that three-by-one where you're not moving E.J. Watt or Bud Dupree outside of a receiver. I don't care if you have to move a safety. I don't care if you have to move an inside linebacker. I want Dupree and Watt rushing from the edge. I want to put the fear of God not only in the quarterback, but in both those offensive tackles. Yeah, I think you might. I, I mean, I agree with you that you, you, you want to put the fear in them. I kind of think you'll see more T.J. Watt in the middle. Uh, that The Can thing I that they did again. Something else? I, sure, I, go I, ahead. I, really forgot this. I don't want to forget it. You guys are going to say I'm crazy. You can go look on the All-22. You can go look anywhere you want. I counted 13 false starts by the Buffalo Bills yeah. in that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they called that absolutely horseshit false start, not only on our long snapper, but on Ali Villanueva. If I was Mike fucking Tomlin, I would have thrown such a shit fit in my press conference after that game on NBC. And I would have followed it by such a shit fit with, in, in, on my Monday press, con- press conference. Actually, I don't like that dude from Steelers Depot, but he actually posted a video after I bitched about it. And you can go see it where, I mean, literally, their left guard and their left tackle, their left tackle was into his kickstep before the ball was snapped on four different occasions. Yeah, they, you know, de facto have made it the rule now that as long as the the, uh, drop of the tackle happens in one continuous motion with the snap, quote unquote, that it's not, they're not calling a false start. In other words, they're giving some leeway to that for the last couple of oh. years. It's it's hot garbage. I mean, I, I I don't agree with the interpretation at all. Um, I think it's pretty easy to see when somebody is moving before the snap. Like you know, like 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 FC, you know, because you've officiated. It's one of those things. It's like face mask. It's one of those things that you just it, it jumps out at you because it's different than what it looks like all the time. Uh, and I feel like that's something that should be called a lot more often than it is, and especially when. You know, you're watching the Steelers defense, who's really dependent on that outside pass rusher getting getting a you know fair shake as far as the jump. They penalize the edge rushers for being in motion towards the line of scrimmage without actually coming over. 
and and yet they're not penalizing the uh, offensive tackle in the same the same way, which is terrible. Perch, what do you think about this idea of moving TJ Watt around, which is the thing that was discussed that they didn't do against Buffalo that they did against Baltimore earlier in the year. You know, how does that work against the Jets with Le'Veon Bell? But I mean, Watt's so good on the side that he's playing, and Dupree's so good this year that you know I, I think it's something a novelty you do a couple times a game just to get those guys a different look and <clears throat> give that offensive tackle a, a different matchup. Uh, you know, Bell is one of the best pass blocking running backs I think we've seen in a long time. I don't remember him ever giving up a sack when he was here with the Steelers. So you know, he'll Watt uh, will definitely have his hands full if they keep Bell in. But if they got to keep Bell in, it takes away Bell's best feature of him coming out of the backfield. So it's a double-edged sword. Uh, I think that the Steelers are going to be able to blitz a lot against the Jets. I think we'll be able to confuse Arnold a bit. I think that that's going to be a big bigger factor of how good of a job does Keith Butler do creating some unique looks and throwing some zone blitzes and things in there that you can confuse the young quarterback with instead of just relying on Watt and Dupree to win one-on-one. And you know, our, our interior guys are such good pass rushers too that they're going to be able to get home. If they get home early and confuse him and put some hits on him, uh, that's going to go a long way for the Steelers to have a chance to win the game. Yeah, I, FC, I, I feel like, you know, Perch just made half the audience laugh by saying, well, as long as Keith Butler comes up with some things to confuse the young quarterback. As soon as he said that, there was like they didn't hear the rest of the sentence because they were laughing. Um, you know, it's a sad state of affairs. What I was going to say was Mark Barron, there's one thing that Mark Barron does really well. I mean, better than maybe any linebacker we've had in Pittsburgh for a long time. And that is cover backs out of the backfield, particularly the ones that leak out from coverage. In other words, Running back starts in pass pro, and then he leaks out uh, to receive the pass. Mark Barron breaks on that and makes plays on that better than any inside linebacker that I can remember to see this having. Um, he you know, might be terrible going backwards, and he might be terrible doing a lot of things, but he seems to be good at that. Here's my question for you, FC. Is it possible that the Steelers use Mark Barron like, like a spy, but instead of spying the quarterback, he's spying Le'Veon Bell for this game? Sure. Absolutely. I mean – it's been done for the last 35 or 40 years in the NFL. I mean, um, do I like the idea of it? Sort of. Um, here, he, here's the rub for me. Um, I like Vince Williams on the field. Vince Williams limits you with athleticism, but he also, he brings a big stick. He's a great pass rusher. I'd love to see some zone dogs. And I would love to see some blitzes like that and um, interior blitzes because everybody knows here comes CJ Watt, here comes Bud Dupree. I, I would love to see, you know, the, the, the cross dogs and stuff like that. I would definitely, definitely, I think you're onto something great here with, you know, either Barron. I, I think the Devin Bush is a little bit raw, but if you could just see the, the light going on for him more and more and more, and he's grown, which is. Incredible. Um, yes, I definitely would agree with you that I would, you know, do some things with Le'Veon Bell with involving Mark Barron as a spot. You know, let's talk about the the Jets running the football, which you know Le'Veon Bell is going to be fired up for this game. He's been, you know, circled this on his calendar two years ago whenever he knew he was going to go to the Jets. Um, joking about that part. Um what do you think uh, that presents to the Steelers in terms of problems? Do you feel like uh, they'll be the most familiar team in the league with Le'Veon Bell, or do you think it might be something that, that is hard for them? 
Yeah, you know, if Le'Veon Bell's fired up, he might rush for an entire 3.4 yards per carry <laughs> instead of 3.2. I mean, he just doesn't He doesn't have an offensive line that blocks for him very well. He's very slow and patient. The Steelers are very familiar with how he runs. Uh, like Tomlin said, it's, it's a matter of having to tackle him. You can't have him guys missing Mark Barron, a lot of tackles, Devin Bush, uh, you know, in the box on a guy that they have squared up. So if the linebackers tackle well, which Devsey's point, Vince Williams is a guy I'd rather see on the field more more often than, than he's on the field, especially in a game like this. I don't think – I mean, I think the Bills presented a much tougher challenge defending the run than the Jets do. Um, to, to me, it's, you know, I think the quarterback for the Jets is, is actually somewhat dangerous if you don't confuse him. Remember, he was the guy seeing Sam Darnold, seeing ghosts against the Patriots. He had no idea what the hell he was looking at and melted down. And he's had other games this year where – he just lights people up and looks like one, you know, a future top ten quarterback. So it's just a matter of one: if you can get enough pressure on him and confuse him enough to keep him off balance. If you do that, he may throw four picks to you. If you don't, he might carve you up. Uh, as far as the Jets' run game, I mean, you know, the Steelers are Le'Veon Bell uh, a lot more of a beating than he owes them. So I think that our defense will be every bit as fire. Plus, the Steelers have something to play for. So they're fighting for their playoff lives. The Jets' season's long since gone. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like I said, I think this is the levy on Bell Bowl for for the Jets, though. So FC Perch seems to be more concerned about Sam Darnold than I am. Uh, you know, I feel like that against some bad defenses, he's put up some numbers, but by and large, I think he's been basically playing at Mason Rudolph level. So I, I guess my question for you is: Is it just that he's inconsistent, or is he not as good as we were led to believe coming out? It's a little of both. Um, if you give Sam Darnold clean pocket and let him sit back there and tap the ball. He'll make throws. I mean, he's a talented kid. Now, if uh, you turn up the heat a little bit, he turned the ball over at USC, and he's shown that he'll turn the ball over in the NFL. So uh, I don't think the Steelers could uh, have the ability just to do what they do. They're going to have to heat him up, and they're going to have to be prepared for some of the things that have given him problems over the last 25 games, 30 games. And it's perch hit the nail on the head. But the, the biggest thing is uh, you can't miss tackles. You can't miss tackles on Le'Veon Bell. You can't miss tackles on Jamison Crowder. You can't miss tackles on Anderson, Bilal Powell, whatever fucking bum they put out there. Ryan Griffin, you ain't a bum. I'm sorry, but he's not. He's a good player. But you <laughs> just have to take confidence away from the players. The first player that you're going to have to take confidence away from is Sam Darnold. Le'Veon Bell, as much as people in Pittsburgh want to hate him, as much as they want to despise him, he doesn't fumble. He's a fantastic run blocker. He's a great pass catcher. He ran the ball with patience and at the same time hard. He gave a lot whenever he was on the field for the Steelers. He I'm not going to be one of these guys that you know, say you know, blah, 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 blah about him. He was a great, great player, and they can't let him get any confidence. They got to let him know the first time he touches the ball, they are going to pound him, and they're not going to break him. Le'Veon Bell never broke in Pittsburgh. He never broke at Michigan State. He has a large amount of self-confidence. What they need to realize, he ain't going to give them anything. He ain't going to drop balls. He ain't going to fumble. He ain't going to do stuff that's stupid on the field. Sam Darnold, on the other hand, there's a very, very good chance you put him in a higher pressure situation, he's going to do something really stupid. You've got to, you know, 
I hate to say it, he needs to go back to the future a little bit. He's going to have to take some chances, especially early in the game. If you let the Steelers, the Steelers build and they build and they build, like Renegade, that freaking horrible song that, the, <laughs> that they, that they I, I used to like. It's not getting old. And let it build, let it build, and just explode. That's what this team has done all year. They build, they build. Here comes Minka. Here comes TJ Watt. Here comes Bud Dupree. And that's that's what they have to do. That's, they have to be prepared to just – the defense has to be prepared to outscore the Jets' offense, basically. If they have, that's how it's going every single game they have this season. If they win this one, I imagine they're going to make the playoffs. And then if they make the playoffs, they got to go into it with the, 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 the mindset – we're going to have to outscore the other team's offense. doesn't matter if it's Baltimore, Kansas City. I don't care who it is. They're going to have to outscore the team's offense because we can't trust our offense. Just can't. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, so Perch, where do, you, where do you fall on the spectrum about Le'Veon Bell? I mean, I figure like they're going to come out with their best running play, whatever play they have saved up that you might use on a you know, key fourth down or something. I think they're going to come out with that play and try to get Le'Veon Bell a 10-yard, 15-yard run to start. I don't know. Do you think he'll be effective? No, I do not think he'll be effective. And I'll uh, take it one step further. I think old crazy eyes Adam Gase doesn't give two shits about Levy on Bell playing against He doesn't even want to use him that much, right? I mean, it's not like he even wants the guy there. So, to me, I mean, we're, I think we're overthinking this as Steelers fans. Oh, it's a big Levy on Bell game. Adam Gase is going out just to do whatever the hell he wants to. I mean, but the biggest factor to me, the, the Steelers, what do they do well in defense? They get sacked, and this year they're getting a lot of turnovers. The Jets' quarterbacks have been sacked 48 times already this year. It's hard to even comprehend a quarterback being sacked. I mean, it's 48 times they've been sacked, and they've thrown 17 picks. Uh, that just plays right into what Pittsburgh's doing. So, again, if we just get the pressure on him, and a lot of that's going to come down to just stopping the run, which you know the Steelers are going to be geared up to do anyway. Uh, so, Le'Veon Bell, I mean, what's his biggest game this year? 70 yards rushing once. Uh, he, he hasn't had 100 yards the entire season. He's 3.2 yards a carry. And it just, we're spending a lot, a lot of time talking about a factor who, through 15 weeks of the season, a guy who hasn't done anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that's fair. Actually, FC sold me when he, he mentioned Adam Gates. I forgot totally that the, that the <laughs> coach of the New York Jets is probably a lame duck, first of all. And secondly, doesn't even really value uh, having Le'Veon Bell on the team. So maybe maybe he's earned some respect for Le'Veon Bell over the year, but I kind of doubt it. Um, let's talk about the other side of the ball for a second. And I'll start with you, Perch. Steelers offense against what the Jets are doing. I sort of feel like uh, the Jets are pretty good at stopping the run, or at least were before last week. I think they got kind of uh, torched. Uh, they're missing. They're missing so many guys on defense. Maybe this Jets defense is a little bit of a mirage. What do you think? Well, I know they're really beat up in the secondary. Uh, the issue is Pittsburgh can't throw the ball. So it puts you back to the run game. And the Jets, you know, they got old Steve McClendon and those guys up there. They're really good in that they focus on shutting down the run. So it gets back to our initial conversation. What do you let the Duck do this week? I mean, you need to come out and stress those corners. You need to attack. I mean, if Ben was playing, this would be a game we'd look at and say, hey, we're throwing the ball 35 times at least today. Right, we're just going to throw it every damn every damn play and, and run up the score. With Duck, ugh, it's how much do they trust him coming off of a four interception game? 
how much do they look at this and say, we're going to have a tough time running no matter what we do. We have to attack. I mean, to me, that's what you've got to do. You've got to attack their weakness. And if your, your quarterback's not good enough to do it, well, then you lose the game. I mean, but you, you can't just go out there and say, all right, we're going to run the ball into the line and play field, you know, field position and, and, and punt and, and hope to win the game nine to six on some field goals and great defense. At some point, you've got to just play your offense. And if the quarterback's not good enough to make the plays, then you're just not good enough to be in the playoffs. But to me, I'd go out and try to attack them again. You know, do do it with plays that Duck is comfortable with. Use some more play action. Mix things up on down distances. Maybe throw on first and run on second, and and try and keep the Jets off balance. But just going out there and trying to think you're going to physically dominate the Jets front and run the ball on them and control the game, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and I mean it's the number two rush defense in the league, number 24 pass defense. So, of course, FC, the Steelers are going to run the ball about 50 times in this game, right? Absolutely. We're going to do what we do. Unfortunately, we're going to do what we do. Jamal Adams is expected back for this game. Yeah, that's big. Um, Oh, he is. And uh, he's chasing an NFL record, which I didn't realize, which is uh, Adrian Wilson's sack record by a defensive back. So that should be a hint of – some of the things that the Jets do on defense, um, when you have a strong safety that I believe believes leads your team in sacks and is also going after an NFL record for sacks by a defensive back, um, Steve McClendon plays very well. For um, the, the, their defense, I expected to really, the run defense to really, really suffer when Leonard Williams was traded. Complete opposite. I'm not sure that Adam Gates is going to get fired. I don't know if he is a lame duck coach. I don't think Le'Veon Bell is going to necessarily be back. But this is going to be a very, very interesting matchup. Um, if I was the Steelers, would, I, I would throw the ball. I Absolutely. You have to. And um, you have to trust Duck. I mean, you went to him. The big thing is, is Washington, Johnson. Everybody got to make plays for their quarterback. I'm not sure Juju's going to play again this week. If you had to ask me, I'm going to doubt that he's going to. Vance McDonald looks like he's going to be back. He has to be a part of the passing game. He's making too much money. He has to be a far better run blocker. If he isn't up to it because of the concussion, he can't play because we can't afford to waste the half. That means Nick Vanette got to step up. The Steelers' offensive line got to play well. I don't think the Steelers, I know for a fact, the Steelers are not going to run the ball successfully against an eight and nine-man front especially with Jamal Adams back because, I hate to say it, I'm not sure if I take Jamal, a healthy Jamal Adams or a healthy Minka Fitzpatrick Yeah, And that's no attack on Minka Fitzpatrick. I think he should be in the running for the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I think he's been a godsend. I think he's a great football player. That just tells you how highly I think of Jamal Adams, though. I think he's a great player. So the Steelers better be prepared to throw the football because they are not going to be able to wildcat or – do any of this cute bullshit to try to get a run game young. Yeah, I, th- I think the interior of the Jets is really the problem. And, you know, Quinton Williams missed last week's game, the game where they gave up 200-plus running yards. But uh, when he's been in the game, they've, they've played pretty well against the run, particularly up the middle. But I, th- I see their weakness perch as being, the, you know, they're playing like third stringers, an inside linebacker, and the guys are seem like smart football players. Uh, who, who don't make a lot of mistakes, but I saw real limitations in their ability to get to the edge. So I'm wondering if we we try to uh, pick on those guys a little bit. How would you? How might you attack that if that's their weakness? I think you need to self scout the Steelers a little bit. How would you, as a defense, attack the Steelers' offense? Hmm. The key to it is just to shut down the run, right? Shut down the run, and if Duck Hodges and the 
cast of Band-Aid wide receivers can beat you, hey, hats off to them. So I, I just think any sort of running is, is going to be an exercise in failure because the Jets are pretty good, even if, they, you know, they've got some, some backups there at the inside linebacker positions. I think that you're going to be facing eight-man boxes, and they're just going to say, you know what, try and beat us with your arm. That's just what anybody should do against the Steelers until they, they prove they can consistently throw it, gain yards, and not have turnovers. Yeah, and I mean, FC, the play, the play that attacks that, if you know, if that if they give you that big front, the thing that attacks that that we haven't shown not only all year, maybe for two years, that seemed to be a really good weapon was you fake that wide receiver screen and throw it to the tight end over top of that box. Mm-hmm. Um, and we mm-hmm. we don't seem to be interested in doing that at all. Uh, but it feels like tight end is a solution to to beat that front. We we really do not run the bubble screens anymore since we lost Antonio Brown. I mean, we've, we've run a few to Deontay Johnson. I was actually expecting, you know, a couple bubble screens in, in the Bills game and then to pump out the bubble screen and throw it to the outside receiver vertically. We hit that to Juju Smith-Schuster a couple times over the last few years. I agree. Um, that's why I hope Vance McDonald's back in this game because, you know, he, he, just, he, he, he should be able to come free coming down the middle of the seam. And I just talked up Jamal Adams, but I don't think Jamal Adams is going to be too big of a, of a factor if he's going to have to be taken on 270-pound Vance McDonald, if, as long as Vance McDonald doesn't manage to fucking fumble the football away. But I agree. I mean, big receivers. I mean, if you want to get a big set to see where she gets two tight ends, and Nick Vanette, Vance McDonald, pick which one has the best matchup and throw the football to him. Yeah. I mean, Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with that basic plan. He basically took Lawrence Taylor and Carl Banks out of multiple games, you know, with a two tight end look. Joe Gibbs, God love him, not the smartest football mind ever, but he came up with a really great plan to attack, you know, basically a 5-2 defense, which Bill Parcells was running roughshod with through the early 80s. And that's why I say football, it's a great game, but... They really haven't done too much with it in the last 35, 40 years. The spread, the fun and gun, not too much different than what Eric Correale was doing in the 50s. Yeah, stuff has a way of coming back around. And the more you know about how people used to attack and defend various looks, um, definitely plays into that's – what, that's what coordinators are supposed to be able to do. Um, is, you know, uh, They're like history majors almost. Perch, I'll give you the last word on this matchup before we uh, move on. Defense, defense, go, go, go. I mean, whatever team's defense forces the turnovers and shuts the other team down, I just don't see any offensive fireworks here. I, you know, I, if I had to think of one team that might have a chance to make some big splash plays, I think it'd be more of the Jets. On offense, I mean, I think the, the way for the Steelers to win this game is they're going to have to just confuse and sack the piss out of Darnold and get some turnovers and give the offense short fields and easy situations and, and be able to control it. If they get down, I just, I have no, and I, I've said this since Ben went down, <laughs> you know, I think I've been reasonably right all year. I just don't have any faith in this offense to do anything productive to actually go out and win a game. And I can't remember a situation where they actually did carry the team all year. So to me, it's it, the defense has to uh, be the straw that stirs the drink. And if they aren't, then they don't, they'll lose. All right, I'll give you the last word on that. Let's move on to our Around the League pick segment brought to us by Mike Perry. 
Washington, PA, Gene, Christina Tour, um, Chris Collinsworth, Butter McFarland, and God, I wish we can get that three-woman crew to announce football because I'm not being sarcastic or anything. No. They were fantastic. I thought so, too. They, they didn't try to talk over each other. They didn't try to be cute or funny. And they just constantly told you what was going on in the game. Imagine that. We didn't have to hear a story or bullshit. Or uh, uh, important shit. Tessitore's new thing is that he seems to be he feel the need to come up with a catchphrase every time something big happens in the game. <laughs> you know, it's like... Everybody wants to be Gus Johnson. There's one Gus Johnson. He works for Fox, and he's a beauty because it's not staged or rehearsed or fake. It's 100 percent pure emotion and you can tell when it's not and i i would love to see chris collinsworth anthony mcfarland and like fucking you know battle them you know two men go in one man comes out (laughs) true (laughs) all right well listen let's make we'll make it just a quick around the league pick segment i'm just gonna ask you a question perch who's winning the super bowl you're picking right now and have to buy it buy a you're in vegas and you got to buy a a ticket Who's winning? I mean, the Ravens are the smart money, and I don't want the Ravens to win. I gotta go with the NFC team. I'm, I kind of have been leaning Niners all year, but if they don't even win their own division, that's going to be tough. The Saints have looked pretty good at times. Oh boy, I, I guess I'll go Niners if I had to pick one team. FC, how about you? The New England Patriots. <laughs> I'm going to predict a San Francisco Ravens rematch with San Francisco winning. I'm with you, Perch. I don't know. I feel like that is the team that has enough quarterback, a really good defense, but more, most importantly, um, the coaching. Ma- they can win the coaching matchup with, with uh, the Ravens, even with the Ravens doing a bunch of strange things like they do right now. So anyway. Yeah, that, that's my thing. I, I know you, I know you weren't as – Shanahan's such a good play caller and such a good designer in the run game. If you do that couple, that defense is nasty. Those two things, and Garoppolo is good enough and safe enough that he shouldn't kill you. Um, you put all that together, and I think that's the team that, that can make it happen. But the Ravens, I mean, the Ravens are so hard to prepare for because other than the three teams in the division who face them twice, you never face an offense like that. You know, So if San Francisco gets a second crack at them, I think they'll have a, a lot better chance. I think it's the same thing with the Patriots when they play them again. Uh, the second time around, teams I think are going to have a little bit better chance. The first time around, it's it's just such a foreign concept to most NFL coordinators and defenses, and it's, it's tough to stop. Sure, tough till you see it. Go ahead, FCL. We'll let you explain your, uh, your Patriots pick. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, they cheat and they have all that, so we'll get beyond <laughs> that. Um, what did San Francisco do last week? Does anybody remember? <laughs> yeah, they got they lost at the end of the game. I hear you. No, 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 no. They, they didn't lose. They got humiliated by the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> by the Atlanta Falcons, they didn't lose. Let's 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 not you know pussyfoot around this. Kyle Shanahan got taken to the woodshed, okay, by a team that was missing seven starters on defense. The team player with his scheme, though, too. I mean, that, that's the it's that, that's a familiarity. Second thing, we're going we're to go to the Baltimore Ravens. Who's the last team coach to beat Bill Belichick twice in one year? 
you're going to immediately say Denver. Nah. Last time that happened, Bill Belichick was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, and it was done by the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's the last team to beat Bill Belichick twice in one year. Wow. What's that? That's a hell of a stat. Joe Flacco? Nope. Yeah, that, that, I actually got that off of our boy Mike Floria. But, uh, so, yeah. And uh, the third reason is, uh, what's the weather going to be like in January? And uh, we'll say lovely Baltimore, Maryland. Most likely going to be cold and snowing and ugly. And I don't think Lamar Jackson, being a fine, you know, Florida resident, and this, the only thing I'm going to remind you is, what did he do in the cold against the San Diego Chargers last year? Yeah, not, not the same. Not the same looking guy. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, so just real quickly, let's just uh, let's pick the games. I mean, I think that was, by the way, uh, you know, you guys gave better answers than I, we got more discussion out of that than I expected. It's, it is, it's an interesting sure. year. Um, so let's talk about uh, the games that matter to the Steelers. Start with New Orleans at Tennessee. Might matter, probably doesn't. Uh, New Orleans is a one-point favorite at Tennessee coming off their, their loss to Houston. Uh, Perch, what do you think of this one? What's the spread on this one? New Orleans by one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm taking the Saints to win that and, and cover by – I think they win by a touchdown, to be honest. Yeah, FC? Uh, also, we'll take the Saints. Yeah, I think – I think it's better for the Steelers' hopes if Tennessee beats New Orleans, actually, um, because if they if Tennessee loses the following week to Houston, the Steelers are able to uh, you know their their last week's game doesn't matter. But more importantly, it keeps the heat on Houston for the division uh, in the last game, so Houston would have more to play for. Uh, let's go to that game. I mean, well, me personally, I, I also think the Saints will win. I think it's going to you know it could be a real. Uh, downer for the Steelers' hopes of uh, getting in at 9-7, and seven. but I think that'll happen there. So let's go to the other one. That would be uh, Houston Texans at Tampa Bay. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks are one-point favorite over the Houston Texans. For the Steelers' point of view, we would love to see Houston lose this game. Um, Perch, I'll start with you. How do you feel about that? Uncle Bruce and famous Jameis are going to get some crab legs and eat the W, man. I think that they're going to just uh, they're going to throw the ball over Houston. I, I, I'm going to go like 33 to 28. I think uh, the Buccaneers win outright uh, in addition to the cover. So give me the Bucks in that game. How about UFC? If Mike Evans plays, I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may put the three best wide receivers on the field that I've seen in a long time because don't ask me how, but Rashard Perryman has found his game. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rashard Perryman is one of the nastiest three wide receivers that I've seen in the NFL in a long time. Shockingly, I'm also going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and we'll get some crap legs. <laughs> I'll tell you this, guys. You know, you're going to, sometimes you get the good Jameis. Sometimes you get the bad Jameis. This feels like one of those games where you're going to get good Jameis. Uh, and I also think Tampa Bay. I mean, it's a kiss of death. We're all picking Tampa Bay. Um, but anyway, let's move on. You know, it's only so much you can do with the teams that you want to help you or not help you. That does it for our illustrious pick segment because we have a five-star matchup this week, and that is something the Steelers can do something about. I'm going to start with UFC. How do you see the Steelers-Jets game playing out this week? I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers to win the game 18-6. to Six, six field goals from Boswell, two field goals from the Jets' shit kicker. Um, 
I expect this to be some ugly football, boys. Um, I think Perch hit the nail on the head whenever he said defense, defense, defense. Uh, I think that the best unit on the field is the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Despite Jordan Berry's performance last week, I think the second best unit on the field is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers special team. And from there, I just don't think the Jets have enough up front to slow the Steelers down. My biggest fear, obviously, is Jimmy Crowder or Richie Anderson making plays in the passing game. Yeah, Crowder's had himself a nice season. Um, Perch, go, let's go to you. What do you? How do you see this game? It's the same. I mean, it's going to be ugly and sloppy. I don't expect uh, much offensive fireworks at all. It's really going to come down to defense and turnovers. I just have such a lack of faith in the Steelers' offense. <laughs> just, I just don't see it. I'm taking uh, the Jets to win 17-16 to in a, a heartbreaker. I just don't think that uh, we have enough weapons to, to make much happen, especially when you play a team that can take your running game away. Quarterback who's young and probably a little bit shell-shocked from last week. I just see some bad things happening there. I think he'll get a little bit of a bounce back from Duck this week. That's what I think. Um, not not necessarily like he's going to suddenly look like Dan Marino, but, but more like he doesn't seem to uh, – I mean, I, dare I say – He's, he lets this uh, bad play roll off his back like a duck with water. I don't know. I don't. I also don't have a lot of faith that they'll score a lot of points, but I, I think that they'll be okay, uh, and okay might be enough to win this game against the Jets. I really don't have any faith at all what the Jets can do offensively. And even with Quinn and Williams and Jamal Adams coming back, I'm not sure that's enough to make the Jets unbeatable on defense. Uh, not as good as the Steelers. On, so they're not as good as the Steelers on defense. I'm not convinced that they're any better on offense. So I'll, I'll call it um, a, a, still a close game, um, but I'll call it, I'll call it 16-10 Steelers. You know, there's always going to be some kind of like, you know, one, one touchdown drive where the Jets look beautiful and they can't do anything else the rest of the game. So I'll call it 16-10. Last words, I'll give one to you, Perch. Hey, last word is who would have thought at week two that we'd still be talking playoffs this late in the year. So Go ahead out and enjoy it. And one other final last word. How much different would the world be right now if Le'Veon Bell hadn't had out last year? Uh, you, you miss the fumbles that ended up costing us games. The Steelers win a couple extra. Antonio Brown doesn't melt down. Could have won the Super Bowl last year. Could be a, a, a much bigger contender for it this year. So uh, I had to steal some of Le'Veon Bell's rap lyrics at the beginning. It's my, my own personal F you to Le'Veon Bell for... Uh, his selfishness and, and all, I think all of the uh, ill that it caused the Steelers. I, I really do think that uh, he and Antonio blew a chance of uh, winning a couple of Super Bowls together with Ben if uh, things broke a different way. Yeah, if only they were interested in that <laughs> as much as we are. Uh, FC, last word for you. I love my Steelers and I fucking hate Christmas. <laughs> You are the Grinch that stole Christmas, man. You, your heart shrunk three sizes overnight. Um, I'm just going to say for my last word, uh, ho, ho, ho. It's Merry Christmas. Where? Be nice to three hoes. Oh, little joke for you there, FC. Uh, I was just going to say, if you want a Christmas present um, and you're into conspiracy theories, as I you know, often am just for the fun of it, uh, Ron Cook reported that Ben Roethlisberger told him this week that he is, quote, ahead of schedule in his elbow recovery, unquote. I'm just going to let that hang there. <laughs> uh, but if you're a conspiracy type and you're like, well, Ben said he's not going to shave his beard till he starts throwing. Uh, and then and somehow the reporter 
that covers the team closely that uh, is pretty close to Ben just just you know, drops that little piece of crumb out there for no reason that Ben is maybe a little ahead of schedule. So uh, if you're uh, wishing for something from Santa uh, and have a chance to think about what you would like for Christmas, that's a good ask. That's all I want to say. Gentlemen, uh, FC, Perch, Lewis Lip Service at the website, everyone at SealedFury.com, and all of you for listening. Listen, have a happy and safe <laughs> holiday season. Merry Christmas and enjoy a gigantic Pittsburgh victory against the New York Jets and Le'Veon Bell. Gentlemen, go get them, Steelers. Go Here we go. Maestro, if you please. Get those Broncos there, just Yonkos. There's Johnny Elway traversing like a railway. Trample Elway, Ike's the parkway. Hit that rich kid with a manhole in. The Steelers in his debut. We can still see that in his pants. Did oh yeah? At three rivers, they made him chop livers. He met the Steelers and knows they're killers. David Little is coming up the middle. Crack that rich kid, knock out his bike, Caspian. No, don't kiss him. Safety blitz him. That, that Bronco is just a Yonko. Joy. Merry Christmas from Iron Cope on Sports. Steeler Fury. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.